0: Welcome back to our short series through the book of Colossians. The title of our series, you can see, is Jesus Over Everything. Hopefully, you've been taking time each week and you've been studying. You've been reading through the four chapters of Colossians once, twice, hopefully three times a week. I did a little test. It takes 15 minutes to listen. I don't know. Some people are faster readers than others, but it takes 15 minutes, if you get on the Uversion app and you use the audio feature of that, 15 minutes to listen to all four chapters. So it's not a huge investment of time uh, itself, but it's certainly, I think, worth the investment. Hopefully you've got paper notes when you came in. You can use the digital notes to follow along this morning. Let's just take a moment and ask God to help us as we dig in this morning. Lord, thanks that we can be together. I thank you for this opportunity that we have to study the book of Colossians together, I pray that you would, um, that you would help us as we walk through it, as we study it this morning, that our uh, our minds, our hearts would be engaged uh, with your word in a way that uh, we allow your Holy Spirit to speak to us and change us, and we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name, amen. So Hopefully you have Colossians open in your lap. The book of Colossians, just as a reminder, is a letter. It's a letter that the Apostle Paul and Pastor Timothy wrote to the Christians, to the gathering of Jesus' followers in the city of Colossae. The purpose of the letter, I thought this was kind of fascinating, he he describes the purpose of why he's writing a letter in chapter 2. He kind of alludes to it in chapter 1, but he's very specific in chapter 2. He actually uses that phrase in verses 2 and 3. My purpose is, purpose in writing this letter, my purpose is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Now we're going to use that later on uh, when we get to the end of our sermon. So don't, don't just gloss over what we just read. This purpose in this letter is so that they have this understanding, that they have the knowledge of God, and we find that that spiritual knowledge and understanding is revealed to us when we are connected to Jesus Christ above all. He wants them to be connected to Jesus Christ, to never forget that Jesus is over everything. Let's just repeat that together this morning, kind of get us engaged. Ready? Jesus over everything. That's what we're going to be talking about throughout this series. When we talk about Jesus over everything, uh, I'll phrase it this way. If you and I have Jesus, we have everything that we need. Jesus is all that we need to deal with our sin problem. Jesus is all we need to feel confident in our identity. Like, who are you as a person? If you have Jesus, He is your identity. That's all you need. Jesus is all we need to feel strong and secure, even in a world that's kind of scary. Jesus is all we need to hold on to a thankful heart have you ever struggled to hold on to a thankful heart like when life gets challenging when when things don't go our way when when things happen that we really struggle emotionally with to deal with to hold on to a thankful heart's not always easy but with Jesus we can hold on to a thankful heart when life gets hard it's a simple truth Jesus over everything But in chapter 2, Paul reveals something to us. He points something out that even simple truths can sometimes be forgotten. It's a simple truth that Jesus should be over everything, but even simple truths sometimes can be forgotten. And here's what happens. When simple truths are forgotten, big lies can step in and cause us harm. When we forget simple truths, profound truths, but simple truths, when we forget them, When we don't don't stay connected to them or tethered to them or stand on them, big lies can step in the gap and do harm to us. That's what chapter 2 is about. I want to give you an example of uh, how this happens in real life. Okay, So here's a picture of a wood chipper. You know what a wood chipper is? The purpose of a wood chipper is to take limbs now some of these wood chippers it's not like limbs the size of my arm it's like limbs the size of my legs some of these wood chippers they put these uh, pieces of wood these limbs into this machine its only purpose is to take that limb and to grind it up into a million wood chips that's the purpose of the machine and yet you'll notice that there is a label on it not to stick your hand in there Seems like an unnecessary label, right? It doesn't seem like we should have to tell people, don't stick your head in the wood chipper. Don't reach in and grab something out of the wood chipper. And yet that label exists probably because someone did. Probably someone thought, oh, I can get that out of there and put their hand in it and lost their arm, their hand, maybe their, maybe their life. It's a simple truth. Don't stick your hand in a wood chipper, But when we forget simple truths, that can do us harm. Here's another one. Have you ever seen these labels on coffee? Coffee's hot. Now, I understand that you can can get iced coffee, right? But you have to order that. It's not the standard. When you say, give me a coffee, the standard is not iced coffee. You have to say, I want iced coffee. When you say, I want coffee, it's understood that it will be hot and that you shouldn't pour it on your crotch. We shouldn't have to tell people not to pour hot coffee on their crotch. You shouldn't have... Can you say crotch in church? Is that... I don't know. Lap. Don't pour coffee in your lap. You shouldn't have to tell people to do that. And yet, we know there's been people who are careless when they're driving, and uh, instead of putting it in the cup holder, they have it and they've they've poured it in their lap, right? And they've and they've burned themselves. We shouldn't have to tell people this. It's a simple truth. Yet sometimes when we forget simple truths, what happens? Well, harm, harm can happen. I got one more for you. Now I'm just going to warn you ahead of time. All right. <laughs> All right so this weirdo here uh, is is licking a box of infectious waste now there notice there's not a label on it there's not a warning label on it that says don't lick the infectious waste seems like a simple truth that we shouldn't need a label on there Uh, by the way I didn't actually lick anything and all that stuff was in that box Um, but if you need to change churches I understand I mean that's that's kind of disturbing but well, we shouldn't need a label for a simple truth like that, and yet there are people who just—they—we uh, have labels for "don't don't drink poison," all these kind of things, because it happens, right? It happens. Jesus over everything is a simple truth, and sometimes simple truths can be forgotten, and when simple truths are forgotten, harm can happen when big lies step into those gaps and cause us harm. And chapter two is like a a series of warnings. Chapter two is a series of warnings not to forget that Jesus is over everything. And I know that might sound like a simple truth. It might sound like an obvious truth. Well, of course Jesus is over everything. Why Why would I not know that? Why would I ever forget that? But sometimes we do. Sometimes we forget that simple truth, and when we forget that one simple truth, there's this gap that can happen, and big lies can step in, deceive us, and cause us harm. In fact, look at verse 19 in, in your text. Chapter 2, verse 19. This is a pretty serious harm. Depending on the version that you have, it might be worded a little bit differently. The NIV translates it this way, that this person has lost connection with the head. Now he's talking about Jesus, right? We are the body, and Jesus is the head of the body. But just think about that image that is being uh, pictured for us. Losing connection with the head uh, is a pretty serious harm. We want to read these warning labels this morning, understanding that they are serious. They might sound simple. They might not. They might even sound to you like, "Well, yeah, of course." But we have to take these warnings seriously because if we step away from this simple truth that Jesus is over everything, these big lies can step into that gap and cause us harm. Here's the first one. All right, here we go. Chapter 2, verse 4. One of the first warnings we get is this one. I'm telling you this. I'm telling you this so that no one will deceive you with well-crafted arguments. Skip down to verse 8. Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world, here's the key, rather than from Christ. He's warning them not to let fine-sounding arguments deceive them, hollow, deceptive philosophies take them Captive and kidnap them away from Jesus. Pretty serious warning if you think about the image of being taken captive or the image of being kidnapped. It's an unsettling image. When I think about that image that's being depicted in that verse, I think about, in my mind, I think stranger danger. Remember that? We teach our kids stranger danger. Why do we teach them that? Because we want them to understand that this image of being taken away, there's uh, this image of there's some pervert in a van down by the children's park trying to lure a child into the van with with, uh, this made-up story of candy or this made-up story of a lost puppy, and then what happens? The child gets taken and so we, we teach our children stranger danger and yet we've all it's a simple truth, right? And we hope that our children remember it and yet we've all seen most of us, uh, these dateline stories that they do and, and they just kind of they, uh, they have a, a legit person who's not a bad person go out and they do this and, and parents are watching and like, oh, I can't believe my child got in the van, right? Stranger danger is a simple truth, but when we forget simple truths, harm can come, and that's that's kind of where our American culture is at today. In a lot of ways, it's our American culture is kind of like that that pervert with a van trying to lure people who aren't grounded in truth into the van with fine-sounding arguments, with hollow, deceptive philosophies. And I'll give you a few examples. You've heard, uh, I'm sure, a lot terms like Marxism and socialism and communism. These words are getting thrown around a lot today. And there are people who are uh, buying into it. There are people who uh, are getting in the van and, and thinking, this is a great idea. But socialism has a very intentional strategy to it. It's been around a long time. It's nothing new. It's been around a long, long time. The strategies create chaos. Destroy everything, destroy values, destroy relationships, destroy the system. Make life miserable. Make life miserable to the point where people are so fed up and mad at one another and and divided, so fed up that they want to become violent. And when the violence takes place, tyranny can take over. That's the strategy. It's nothing new. It's been around a long time. And yet there are people who are buying into the idea, the the sales pitch of this utopia, and have no clue who Karl Marx was. They have no clue who Stalin or Chavez or Castro. They have no idea where it ends. They buy into the empty philosophy, the deceptive, fine-sounding arguments. It happens uh, in the culture uh, when it comes to godless, nihilistic worldviews. Our culture will say things like this Anything that feels good is good. If it feels good, do it. The problem with that is not everything that feels good is good for you. It's a lie. Self expression here's another self expression is the path to fulfillment. That sounds nice, right? Self expression is the path to fulfillment. Sounds like a really nice thing. It's an empty lie. The people that you know who are the most fulfilled. Just think about who's the person in your life that is the most filled with joy, the most filled with satisfaction, the most uh, person who just seems like they've got fulfillment in their life. Think about who that person is. They're probably the most selfless person that you know. They're probably the most generous person that you know. right? They're probably the most others-centered people that you know. That's where their fulfillment comes from. This idea that we will have fulfillment uh, in ourselves by turning inward and only thinking about ourselves is a lie. How about this one? You choose your own truth. It's kind of the next step of this self, uh, self-expression and, and uh, self-actualization. You choose your own truth. Sounds nice. But at the same time as you get to choose your own truth because you are, you are your own God, right? Uh, you, you choose your own truth comes out of this side of their mouth, and out of the other side, they say your destiny is determined by your genetics. You can't help it. Wait a minute. Which is it? The lie. Or this one. Your worth, your identity, is rooted in what you own and what you achieve. Well, that can't be true because uh, otherwise, what if I don't own a lot? What if I don't achieve a lot? What if what I've achieved and what I own is lost? Are we losers because we don't have a lot of material possessions? Are we losers because we don't achieve what other people achieve? a lie how about this one physical beauty and athletic talent is more important than moral character or substance now they may not uh, use that exact phrase but there are people who who look to as ath- uh, professional athletes and movie stars and when they say something well, <laughs> what they say has to be accurate and true because they're beautiful because they're amazing athletes, so we have to listen to what they say. Yeah, their moral character is terrible. They're the worst possible uh, figure to, to follow and pattern our lives after. No, not, not every athlete, not every beautiful person is a terrible person. But oftentimes what happens is they're just because they're physically attractive or talented, uh, we don't, the, we. people don't pay attention to their character Oftentimes, it wouldn't be hard to find attractive people doing horrible things. Athletic, amazing athletes uh, being just terrible role models. It's not hard to find that. Not all of them. But in general, our our culture tends to just say, well, uh, they're an amazing athlete, so they must know what they're talking about. I want to be like this person. And I understand it makes sense that if someone is far from God, if someone Uh, is not interested in God. I understand why they would buy into these empty philosophies, why they would buy into these these lies that they hear in the media and uh, in entertainment and from politicians, and they just get in the van, they get kidnapped. I get why that would happen, because they're not tethered to the truth. But how does a Christian, how do you and I as followers of Jesus, how do we keep from being deceived? How do we make sure that we don't get kidnapped and deceived by the big lies in our culture? We have to stay rooted. What's this say in here? Uh, It talks about being rooted in the truth, being grounded and established in the truth. When we are connected to our relationship with Jesus Christ... Talks about here our faith uh, in, in Jesus. Is, is, he wants that to be strong so that we are tethered to, to Jesus. Look at verse uh, 6. Just as you accepted Christ Jesus as Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him, let your lives be built on him. Here's what happens when you are connected to Jesus, when you're rooted in Christ. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. When we stay connected to Jesus through the study of his word, through prayer, through gathering together and and having strong relationships with other believers, it keeps us from being fooled by these big lies. I love that phrase uh, when it says, all treasures of wisdom and knowledge are revealed to us. We won't get fooled by the lies if we're rooted firmly to simple truths, this one simple truth that Jesus is over everything. The next warning is in verse 16. Verse 16, so don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or drink or for not uh, celebrating certain holy days or new moon ceremonies or Sabbaths. These rules are only shadows ...of the reality yet to come, and Christ Himself is that reality. Go to verse 20. You have died with Christ, and He has set you free from the spiritual powers of this world. So why do you keep following the rules of the world, such as don't handle, don't taste, don't touch? Such rules are mere human teachings about things that deteriorate as we use them. These these rules may seem wise because they require strong devotion and pious self-denial, and severe bodily discipline, but they provide no help in conquering a person's evil desires. Only Jesus can do that for us. The warning is, don't let rules become your object of faith over Jesus. In the city of Colossae, there were people in that city who had a Jewish background. And uh, those folks were trying to convince the Christians in this particular church that if, you know, listen, if you really want to be spiritual, if you really want to have special favor with God, then you've got to do all of these, these rituals. You've got to be circumcised. You've got to do all of these Jewish ceremonies. You've got to make sure you're following all the Sabbath rules. And Paul says, not just here, but throughout his letters in the New Testament, no. You just need Jesus. If you want to grow spiritually, if you want to uh, mature spiritually, you just need Jesus. Now, it's not that Christians should be lawless rebels. When we get to the next chapter, there's a whole, uh, whole chapter on things that we should do and things that we should not do, things that we need to get rid of out of our lives, things that we should embrace in our lives. It's not that we, as Christians, should be these lawless rebels. There are moral boundary lines that God has set for us. But all of these rules about diet and, and certain days that were originally, according to that verse 17 there, these were originally given as a way to point to Jesus Christ, a way to, to point that the Messiah is one day going to come. They were symbolic. And of course, Jesus Christ did come. And you think of it like this in for our context, kind of like our communion service, In this sense, uh, we do communion as a way uh, to remind us of what Christ did for us on the cross. It's a way for us to be reminded that Jesus is coming back. It's a symbol that we do together. Yes, it's an act of obedience because Jesus told us to do it. But the reason he wants us to do it is to remind us of what he did, to look forward to his return. It's a symbol of these things participating in communion is good for those reasons. But if you, let's say next month, we have a communion coming up in November. It's always the week, uh, the Sunday before Thanksgiving. And I hope, if you're a believer, I, I hope that you'll make a priority to be there. It's going to be good, but it doesn't guarantee that you're going to be more spiritual because you participate in communion. In fact, in Corinthians, Paul pointed out, some things that were happening in the Corinthian church that were not spiritual going on in their communion service. There's a word for faith in rules. It's called legalism. Have you ever heard that term? Maybe you've heard it and you've never really had it defined. Legalism is a belief that Christ did not finish the work of salvation on the cross. There's still work to be done, and you and I are responsible to complete that work. That's what legalism believes. Legalism is the belief that Christ is not sufficient for our spiritual needs, for our spiritual growth. If you want to have a a deeper spiritual life, you're only going to find that in these strict religious rules and ceremonies. That's what legalism preaches. I think the reason why people are drawn to this big lie is because it feels good. It feels good to be able to measure our spirituality. I do this, 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 and this. Therefore, I feel good about my spirituality. It feels good because we're able to compare ourselves to the spiritual slackers who only do three out of the ten, and I do seven. It feels good, but it's a lie. The danger of legalism is that following rules can't save us. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. Not our good works. It's God's gift of grace. It's dangerous because following the rules can't change our hearts. As your heart changes because of what Jesus is doing in your heart through the power of the Holy Spirit, you'll want to do the right thing. But doing the right thing is not what changes us. Jesus changes us. Following the rules doesn't make us better than other people. And There's a danger in thinking, I follow all the rules, and this slacker doesn't, so I'm spiritually superior to them. No, you're a sinner saved by grace the same as I am. Only Jesus has the power to save us. Only Jesus has the power to change our hearts. Here's the danger of legalism. We could start, it's possible to start worshiping the set of rules, having faith in the set of rules instead of Jesus. Only Jesus is worthy of our worship. Only Jesus can change us and save us. The third warning in verses 18 and 19. Don't let anyone condemn you by insisting on pious self-denial or the worship of angels, saying they have had visions about these things. Their sinful minds have made them proud, and they are not connected to Christ, the head of the body, for he holds the whole body together with its joints and ligaments, and it grows as God nourishes it. You see where the spiritual growth comes from? Comes from God, as we are connected to Jesus. The warning here is: don't worship anything or anyone over Jesus. In Colossi. City angel worship was a popular thing. There was a belief at that time that angels had influence over the stars. The angels had influence over the planets and over life in general. Today we we still have that. It's called astro- uh, astrology. It's called horoscopes. And people there are still people who get the newspaper and, and look for their horoscope. There are still people who run off to the medium and ask the psychic or the medium to. Tell them what they should do. That still happens today. Today, many people view angels as this, these generic, non-religious, almost like New Age crystals or good luck charms. And that's just not simply true. It's, it's uh, not biblically accurate. The biblical truth is that we don't have to go through angels to have access to the Father. We don't have to go through dead people to have access to the Father. We have direct access to our Heavenly Father through Jesus Christ. 1 Timothy 2.5 says, There is one God, one mediator between God and men. Who is it? It's Jesus. Hebrews 4.14 and 16. I love this passage. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who's gone through the heavens, who is it? Jesus the Son of God, let's hold firmly to the faith we profess. We don't have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with our weakness. We have a high priest who's been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. Here's the practical part of that truth, that simple truth. We can approach the throne of grace with confidence so we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. When you find yourself in a time of need, you have direct access to the throne room of God. You have direct access to your heavenly Father through Jesus Christ, our one mediator, our high priest. And you hear that, and some of you, I'm imagining, you hear, okay, the, the angels, we don't have to go through angels, we don't have to go through saints, we don't have to do these things, we have direct access through through Jesus, but what about my guardian angel Festus? Like what well, doesn't what's he what's he doing? All right? You've heard of guardian angels. Are those are guardian angels real? Is that a biblical thing? And the answer is yeah. So I'm gonna take you to the verses that talk about angels and their interaction with us as believers. Okay, here they are. They're both in Hebrews. I'll put them on the screen. Hebrews 1:14. Are not all angels ministering spirits? sent to serve those who will inherit salvation. So there's where we get the doctrine, the the biblical context of the guardian angel. Right? It's biblical. Hebrews 13, 2. Do not forget to entertain strangers, for by doing so, some people have entertained angels without even knowing it. That's pretty cool. So yes, biblically, there is this unseen spiritual world Angels exist, and God has given these angels some level of interaction, certainly a servant role, to the Christian. And that's amazing to know. We have to remember, though, that the angel is not our source of protection. Jesus is. The angel is not our provider Jesus is. Who is it that sent the angel to minister? God did, right? God is our source, uh, our provision. He's our protector. And and I don't understand how it all works as far as how God uses the angels and that interaction. Uh, We don't have a lot of information on how that unseen spiritual world works. We know that there is a spiritual warfare happening that we can't see. There are these things that are real and that exist, and we don't have a full understanding of it all, but we know this, that our provider and our protector ultimately is our Father, and we have access to Him through Jesus Christ. And well, okay, that's fine. What's the, what's the danger then? We, we want to make sure we're not worshiping angels. Okay, I get it. We want to make sure that we're, uh, we're not praying to something or someone other than, than, than God through Jesus. What's the danger here? Now, in the New Living, uh, verse 18 just uses the phrase, uh, make sure you're not condemned, which is accurate. But uh, I looked it up, the same verse, if you have a King James, it uses the phrase, uh, don't, don't let uh, this idea of angel worship beguile you of your reward. That's a fun word, beguile. How many of you used that word this week in a sentence? None, none of you, Okay beguile is uh, like hoodwinked. It's, it's, uh, it's, dece- it's using deception to trick someone. Now you can use that this week and you like impress all your friends. Like, I will beguile. I don't know if you'll use it or not. NIV uh, says disqualify you for the prize. Don't let this idea of angel worship disqualify you for the prize. If you have a new American standard, which I think is what's in the Pew Bibles there, uh, defraud is the word, defraud you of your of your prize. What's this prize? I mean, that sounds serious. You get the word beguile out, you know, we're talking about something serious. The prize is not our salvation. Go back again to, to Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. Uh, our salvation is based on uh, faith in God's gift of grace through Jesus Christ. It's not rooted in good So we're not talking about salvation here. Paul's not talking about losing our salvation. But here's the danger. When When we worship something other than Jesus or put our faith in something other than Jesus to care for us, to meet our needs, to give us fulfillment in life, the danger is we could miss out on rewards that come from believing and living this simple truth that Jesus is over everything. Let me give you an illustration. Sometimes the harm that we experience in life isn't always from ignoring warning signs that say, uh, do not swim alligators, right? That's That's a big deal. You swim, you get bit by an alligator, you lose a limb, you die. That's a, that's a pretty serious warning, and there's harm from ignoring that warning there. Or the warning label that says, "Do not ingest poison." Sometimes the harm that we experience from ignoring warnings isn't that something uh, tragic or bad happens. Sometimes the harm is missing out on something better. Like the warning that parents hear. I, I remember uh, I remember people saying this to me when we first had Hannah when, when my kids were small. Remember the, remember the warning that you get when you're a new parent? They say to us, they say, "Oh, make the most. make the most of these days because it goes so quick. It's a warning, right? It's a warning to make sure you make memories. It's a warning to make sure that you invest your time wisely with your kids because it goes so fast. I'm there, right? I'm at the other side of all of that, and it's absolutely true. What's the warning about? Well, yeah, I suppose some of that warning could be if you don't, if you're a lousy parent, then bad things could happen with your kids and they turn out terrible, right? Yeah, but sometimes that warning is just about if you don't, if you don't uh, make sure that you are intentional about spending time, quality time with your kids and making memories and making the most of those moments, you could miss out on something better. How about when you first get married? I just had a, a wedding that we did here yesterday and every wedding that I do, I remind couples of this and I'm sure if you've been to a wedding or you first got married, someone along the way has said this, Uh, You got, marriage is hard work. You got to be intentional about it. You got to work hard at investing in your marriage. You've got to make sure uh, that you work hard at demonstrating love towards one another. You can't take each other for granted, right? All of these warnings, especially when we first get married. And yeah, I suppose if we don't heed those warnings, it could end eventually maybe in something tragic like, Divorce and separation and all these kind of terrible things. But sometimes those warnings are just about missing out on something better. Have you ever known a married couple? They've been married a long time and they don't like each other. They tolerate each other. They hang in there for whatever reason. Miss out on something better. Better. As you sit there this morning and you listen to these warnings, you might hear them like, yeah, duh, that's pretty simple. And maybe these warning signs, uh, for you, it's not a caution against some egregious sin, some really destructive sin. You might be the kind of person, the kind of follower of Jesus Christ that uh, you follow the rules and you're a good person. You've got a good handle on Bible doctrine. That's awesome. Listen to this warning. If you or me, if we try to find fulfillment, fulfillment in life anywhere else except our relationship with Jesus, we're going to miss out on something better. I'm not talking about losing our salvation. We're talking about missing out on this incredible spiritual joy and and, uh, contentment and satisfaction and just the kind of fulfillment that only Jesus can provide us. I'm just going to read the first four verses of chapter 3. It says this, Since you have been raised... To new life with Christ. Set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life and your real life, listen, your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all glory where's fulfillment in life found in our relationship with jesus jesus said as much in john chapter 15 i'm just going to read this to you quickly just listen jesus said i am the vine and you're the branches those who remain in me and i in them will produce much fruit for apart from me you can do who knows it nothing Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile and burned. But if you remain in me, my words remain in you. You may ask for anything you want. It will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. And this brings great glory to my Father. Simple truth. With Jesus, we have all that we need. Without Jesus, really, we have nothing. Jesus is all we need to deal with our sin problem. Jesus is all we need to feel confident in our identity and who we really are. Jesus is all we need to feel strong and secure in a scary world. And Jesus is all we need to hold on to a thankful heart when life gets turned sideways on us. Don't forget this simple truth. Jesus over everything yeah it's simple but simple truths sometimes get forgotten and when they get forgotten big lies can step in and harm us we could be harmed from the danger of putting our faith in something that can't save us something that can't change us we could be harmed from the danger of worshiping something that's really not worth our worship including ourselves we could be harmed from the danger of missing out on these spiritual rewards, this, this powerful, fruit-bearing, purpose-filled, satisfied, filled, uh, fulfilled life that Jesus provides us when we stay tethered to Him. We can avoid those dangers by every day making the decision to remember the simple truth. Here it is. Ready? Say it with me. Jesus over everything.